Hello, and welcome to Quick Hits. I'm your host, Phil Gursky, President and CEO of Borealis. And today's Quick Hits podcast is about a story that's been making a lot of news, a lot of headlines in the past couple of days. And this was a an action by the FBI in the United States to foil a plot by a bunch of right-wing, white supremacist, white nationalists, neo-Nazis, call them what you will, who had labeled themselves as the base and who had plotted to carry out violent acts in the United States in an effort to rally what they call the Boogaloo, which is essentially an effort to accelerate a race war. So these groups believe in racial superiority, they're anti-Jewish, they're anti-black, they're anti-Muslim, they're anti-all kinds of things, and believe in the supremacy of the white race. So these individuals were picked up a couple days ago and by the FBI. And what was interesting from a Canadian perspective was that one of the members was a man called Patrick Matthews, who was an ex-reservist in the Canadian Armed, Armed Forces from Manitoba, had left the country a while ago, had disappeared, and has now been arrested as part of this group who wanted to start this, this race war. And what I find fascinating and what I want to devote this short podcast to is this notion about how people are reacting to his arrest and to the effect that this arrest is having on family and friends. Now, you know, I worked on radicalization to violence for an awful long time when I was with CSIS, the Canadian Security Intelligence Service. And so I know a lot about sort of the signs and the behaviors that are consistent with radicalization, more specifically Islamist extremist radicalization. This is a slightly different case. This is white supremacist, white nationalist radicalization. But what I find interesting is that in the wake of an attack or foil attack, in this case, the arrest of people who wanted to carry out a serious act of violence, which would have been terrorist in nature. The Americans call it domestic terrorism. I'm not sure that's the great, the best term to use, but yeah, that's what they do. When these things happen, you often get reaction. Reaction by people who knew the individual, maybe went to school with them, worked with them, or family members. And it is inevitable that people will say, whoa, we never saw this coming. We, we, we don't understand why this person did this. It was out of the blue. There were no signs. There was no way to predict this. And what I have found is that this is actually not true. There are usually, if not always, signs that somebody is going down a pathway, use what metaphor or analogy you want, which ends up planning or carrying out an act of violence. There's an American scholar named uh, Malloy, Reed Malloy, who talks about leakage. And in his work, he has found that three quarters of people who engage in this activity often betray or let out signs that they are going to do something or at least certainly give off indications that they are changing their mindset adopting these, these radical violent ideologies so let's take a look at some of what's been said about patrick matthews this is an article in today's national post today being january the 24 2020 and you know there's a lot of uncertainty but he was described as a loner, although he could never harm anybody. There was talk about uh, the fact that his parents' marriage broke up, the fact that he broke up with a girlfriend. There was also some indication that he was diagnosed a couple years ago with uh, what's uh, some form of Asperger's syndrome, although albeit high functioning. And then, you know, the principal said, well, he was always a very smart kid in school, but he was bullied. So we often see bullied being brought up as, as a sign or as a cause, if you will, or a factor in someone going down this pathway. 
Some have described him as a good worker. You know, he, he reshingled his house in 90 degree weather all by himself. And this goes on and on and on and on. And yet, you know, the more we look at these types of things, uh, the more it becomes quite clear is that Mr. Matthews is not all that different than anybody else who engages in these violent activities. He actually does betray, he does give signs of the fact that he's changing. So let me, let me just read, read an excerpt from this article. Matthew's life changed dramatically last August when the Winnipeg Free Press published an expose by a reporter who had managed to infiltrate the base. This is the group that Matthews belonged to after seeing recruitment posters that allegedly Matthews himself had put up. Quote, in the meeting with Thorpe, he peppered the conversation with racial epithets, talked of the need for violent action, and referred to Dylan Roof, convicted of shooting nine African-American parishioners at a church in South Carolina, as one of the saints, unquote. The RCP got involved, they didn't lay any charges, next thing you know he disappears, etc., etc. There's so much there that would take long, much longer than a short podcast to, to un unfold it or unpack it. But the, the bottom line remains is that Mr. Matthews did give off signs, very concrete signs, that he was embracing a very intolerant, hateful, violent movement that believes in the white race, white supremacism, white nationalism, and that it's okay to kill other people who don't believe the same way that you do. The fact that he refers to Dylan Roof as one of the saints. The saints is a classic trope amongst white nationalists. Brendan Tarrant, the man that shut up a mosque in Christchurch uh, last year, is also referred to as a saint. These people are elevated to this position of, well, we have to, we have to go out, we have to demonstrate that we, we believe in this and we want to emulate their actions and copy their actions because they're showing us the way. What I'm trying to get at here is that there always are signs. It, it's a matter of being open to them, not rejecting them, not ignoring them, not pretending you're not seeing them not getting to the place where you say, well, I don't want to say anything because it might get somebody in trouble or, you know, I might be wrong. I don't want to make waves. When these things happen, it is absolutely primordially important that somebody say something, either confront the person directly or where that's not a very good idea because you fear for your own safety, phone it in, call 911, call the RCMP, call a security service like CSIS or the FBI. The worst thing we can do when events like this face us, when we come across this kind of information, is to simply set it aside, to dismiss it. You know, the average person is not an expert. The average person is not a specialist in violent extremism, terrorism, violent radicalization, etc. In fact, there are very few people who have a really deep understanding of this phenomenon. There's a great literature out there, but just read a paper this morning by John Horgan. He says, yeah, it's the golden age of study on this, but we're still a very, very long way from understanding what makes this whole thing tick. So it's really important that I think that the average person, when they're uncertain, when they're unsure, when they have doubts, when they have concerns, perhaps is the best way to put it, that these concerns be conveyed to somebody who can do something about it. Best case scenario, it's nothing. You know, authorities, whether the security intelligence or law enforcement, come by, weigh, weigh in, determine that, you know what, there's no there there, and everyone goes home happy. Worst case scenario, there is something there. And if we don't give our law enforcement and security agencies the information in ample time, people are going to die and people are going to become injured or wounded by these people who express these views. 
If I could put in a, you know, a very short plug for my own work dating back to 2015, The Threat from Within, Understanding Radicalization, published by Roman and Littlefield. This was based on my experience 15 years at CSIS, looking at a bunch of cases of Islamist extremism. And I, I go through in quite some detail what some of the signs are and what some of the behaviors are. You might want to have a look at it. That's it for Crickets number 15. Uh, I think this issue is, is obviously one that's going to be unfolding a lot in the press in time to come. We're going to learn more about Mr. Matthews and the group that, that he was part of the base and how serious they were and how dangerous they were. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. You can always reach me on email, borealisrisk at gmail.com. You can reach me on Twitter at borealisaves, on LinkedIn, or on Facebook. I'd also invite you to subscribe to all the content that Borealis puts out. Go to the website, www.borealisthreatenrace.com. Click the subscribe button, fill in your information, and you'll get all the content that Borealis produces, podcasts, blogs, the Today in Terrorism series, perspectives, Everything that's there, you get free of charge, sent to your inbox automatically. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast. We'd love to hear from you, either feedback on this particular issue or others, or ideas that you want to explore in a podcast or in a blog. Hope to hear from you soon. We'll talk again. Until then, stay safe.